Good morning, church. You ever just had something stuck in your throat and you couldn't get it out? Poor Brandon. That's what happens when you're young and an intern. You get cut off in mid-sentence. I'm thinking about trying out for the band over there. I wonder if they need more cowbell. I think I might could do that. Welcome to the uh, Fellowship Center. We're glad you guys are, are with us uh, today. And our live stream audience, welcome once again to WFR. We know that audience is growing and we praise God for that. One of the benefits, and there aren't many, that come from this uh, came from this lockdown uh, was that we were able to expand and enhance our live stream and a lot of people have come to know Jesus, have become a part of this church, even though many of them have never been physically present. Uh, they're with us. And now all you got to do is watch some time on Facebook and see the interaction to know God is moving in powerful ways. That's part of the reason we have this new screen up. How about, how about this brand new high-definition screen? What about that? I think it's pretty good, huh? We are bringing this 60-plus-year-old complex into the 21st century. It's taken a while. We appreciate your help and your patience as we get there. We need, of course, you guys to contribute to be a part of that as well. We're going to put some chairs in here. These uh, pews have finally cracked for their last time, hopefully, uh, hopefully. And uh, we're going to get some a uh, little bit better seating here, too. So we're excited about that. Where is Jet Hudnall? Where are you, Jet? Here he is. Now, Jet's going to read our scripture for us today. Normally, I get a little intel on my scripture reader, all it says here is that Jet is the good-looking twin. <laughs> so I, I don't know what that means, but uh, we'll go over that. Yeah. Galatians chapter 1, verses 22 through 24. I was personally unknown to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only heard the report. The man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they praise God because of me. Thank you, Jet. Appreciate that. Oh, and I was just kidding. I'm sure you're both good-looking and talented. Um, I'm super excited about this uh, text today because it's one of those game-changer points in this story that we've been talking about in the book of Acts. We have called it an unstoppable adventure because that's exactly what it was and what it is. And uh, and today, this conversion that we're going to see is really something that just kind of takes it to another level. Uh, of course, we're going to be talking about Saul of Tarsus. And you've got to remember, Saul, Saul was the one who finally was able to implement what the early Jewish leadership was not able to accomplish because they were timid and fearful. Remember, they kept giving, bringing the disciples in, and they would chew them out. Maybe they'd have them flogged, and they would say, Don't, you can't speak anymore in his name. But they just kept speaking. And people just continued to spread. So Saul comes in, and he's a hammer. He's a ball-peen hammer. And he's willing to do something. And so for the first time, he brings in murder of the Lord's people into the equation. And now he's got a taste for this. It's whetted his appetite. And so he's going to, as the gospel is spreading, remember, to Judea and then Samaria, Paul is going to spread his terrorism with it. Because he thinks now he's got the church on the run. What he doesn't realize is, is God is just fanning the flames. 
And what he's going to find out is today, in Acts chapter 9, is he's going to be part of the flame. He just doesn't know it yet. If you're going to follow along with us, we're in Acts chapter 9. Verse 1 says, Meanwhile, and we already realized that Saul was there, and they recognized him as the leader. They were laying their clothes at his feet while Stephen was being martyred, you remember. Then it said he broke out a persecution against the church in Jerusalem. So now he's still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciple. And we've talked about this a lot during this series. Once the violence begins, it spreads. Because people think that that will shut things down. But it won't. Not when something is so meaningful as the gospel of Christ. He went to the high priest and he asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus. So now he's going to go on the road, take his act on the road. So that he found, if he found any who belonged to the way, I love that name, the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. So he's on his way. He's going to wreak some havoc and terror in another place. But he's going to find something interesting along the way. One of the things I've loved about this series that we've been able to share with you is some stories from people here uh, that have are still having their lives changed, are still being impacted, the way is still growing, and all the threats and evil one that's against them, still there's triumph, and we've been able to share in some of those stories throughout the series. So today, as we begin this text, I wanted you to hear from one of our elders who has a lot in common with Saul of Tarsus. Run that video, guys. So we see a man and how he was changed forever. It's quite the story. In those days, as the Holy Spirit had been poured out, made available for anyone in the world, the 12 disciples were going around performing miracles, and people were being converted by the thousands, beginning in Jerusalem. Well, they came together, and they said, look, the widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. People were going hungry. There were big crowds gathering up, and they were having trouble finding enough men to look after them all. It's like a fast-growing church in modern America. Well, they put a bunch of men up for a proposal. They, they gave it to a guy named Stephen. Stephen was full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. This is the guy that's fixing to be stoned to death. He did great wonders and miraculous signs among the people. This guy was very gifted, could perform miracles. The Jews didn't like what he was saying. They couldn't stop him. They couldn't stand up against his wisdom or spirit by which he spoke. So Stephen gets up and gives them a speech and tells them how the cow ate the cabbage. The last thing Stephen said in his speech was, You stiff-necked people with uncircumcised hearts and ears, you're just like your fathers. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Get this in your mind. These people turned against God, turned against Jesus, and they violated commandment number six, do not murder. 
when they had him murdered and strung up on a cross, and Philip is telling them that, you've betrayed and murdered him. You who have received the law, when the people heard that someone was accusing them of murdering the Savior of the world, and by his death would even save them, they were like, in Acts 2, a lot of them were just stunned and said, what do we do? Well, when these, this bunch here heard this, they were furious, gnashed their teeth at Stephen. Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up and said, I see Jesus standing at the right hand of God. They covered their ears. They rushed at him, dragged him out of the city, and began to stone him. Now, they're, not only did they kill the author of life, Jesus, they're killing his messengers, too. They used it by stoning him to death. Meanwhile, listen to this. The witnesses laid their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. They were putting the clothes in front of him. He's one of the ones heading the killing up. He's the one that's saying, kill him, kill him. And they did. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church. Stephen was killed, and now they're on the hunt. And the council culture is in the streets looking for revenge. All of it against the God who made them. They were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Everybody's going in every direction trying to stay alive. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply. But Saul... There he is again. This is the introduction of Saul of Tarsus, who later on changed his name to Paul. Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off men and women and put them in prison, murdering them, put them in jail because they're simple trusting faith in Jesus Christ. A light from heaven flashed around him. He's on his way to Damascus with a little troop of people to kill more Christians. All of a sudden, boom, like a big lightning strike. God's going to get his attention pretty quickly. Flashed around him. He fell to the ground and he heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? God's talking to him in person. Let's watch his response. Who are you, Lord? It might have been, who are you, Lord? Or it might have been, who are you, Lord? <laughs> Take your pick. Saul asked, I am Jesus, came the reply, whom you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. You say, I wonder if he's going to carry out instructions. Always remember this. If Jesus ever runs up on you and you hear a big lightning flash and, and you look up and you're blind, it'll go into that in a minute. You're blind, you say, oh, it's going to get your attention. You can bet on that. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, uh-oh, he could see nothing. He's blind as a bat. 
So they led him by the hand into Damascus for three days. He was blind and did not eat or drink anything. This dude is down and out. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. Places his hands on him, on Saul, brother Saul. The Lord Jesus who appeared to you back there on the road as you were coming here has sent me that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. What in the world? He's murdering God's people and God comes down in person, Jesus in flesh, but he's glorified Jesus. This is post-resurrection and ascension. He got up, Paul did. Immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, regained his strength. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once, (laughs) he's been motivated. At once, He began to preach in the synagogue that Jesus is the Son of God. Wait a minute. A week ago, you were killing people who believed that. And now, say what? Well, a lot of them knew what he was doing. And they're like, what in the world? He said, don't call me Saul anymore. I'm Paul now. I'm changing my name over this. I'm enjoying the kindler, gentler feel. <laughs> He's mellowing it a little bit. <clears throat> he, uh, but he still has a way, doesn't he, uh, when it comes to Scripture. And he's a lot like Saul. He became a different man. And the kingdom was impacted because of it. I call that section that Dad was reading in 9, 3 through 6, the Q&A that saved the way. I mean, it was short. And it was sweet, but when you're Jesus asking the questions and answering, it doesn't take much. And two things were happening at one time here. One is there was this person who would later say in his writings that he was set apart from birth to be an instrument of God. And he was. And the second thing that was happening is the greatest threat now to the early church is about to become a part of the early church. And that's going to change everything. The first question, of course, was why? And you notice Jesus called his name twice. I don't know about you, but if someone says your name twice, it's usually not good. Right? Ow. Ow. Right? You messed up. Now, Lisa's got it down to one name. She just calls me by my first name. Marshall. Trouble. Saul. Saul. Why? Why? I want you to think about that question in relationship to your own life. You see, why speaks to our conscience. And we hope to always have one. Although we do read it in the Bible, there can come a period of time where you can sear that conscience where you won't even ask the question why anymore. Jesus said, why? Why do I act the way I do? Why do I react the way that I do? Why do I think the way that I'm thinking? Why do I feel this way? Why did I think 
Being addicted to something is a good idea. Why did I think having an affair was the right thing to do? Why did I let my anger get so out of control that I abused people around me? Why? Ask the question. Paul is at a point here as Saul that everything he's thought was right, everything he was zealous about and self-righteous about has now been called into question in one moment with one question. Why? Why are you doing this? Why would anybody think that terrorizing and killing people would be some sort of godly action? And yet that's where he was. So his answer to the why is who? Who are you? Who are you, Lord? Who? You see, that's when clarity has now come into the picture. Once the conscience is engaged, then we have a moment of clarity, right? We're willing to look even if we can't see. What's interesting about Paul, who is still Saul, is that he's down in the fetal position with his eyes squeezed shut. Because we know we don't get to verse 8 till he opens his eyes to realize he's blind. So he's, he's laying there in this moment with this great flash, this voice of Jesus, and he has a moment of clarity. Have you ever found yourself in a place like that? I have. I mean, broken down. Who are you, Lord? When Lisa and I speak around the country, we share our story. She tells about laying out back behind our house we had in Calhoun. Early morning, dew on the ground, wishing she could dig a hole to go lower, because that's how bad she felt. And in the fetal position with her eyes squeezed shut, saying, Lord, rescue me. If you're real, I need you, because I got nothing. Sometimes, for those of us, it takes that moment. I can promise you this, you'll never find peace or purpose without asking who Jesus is and asking him to apply that in you. For my dad, it was in the Howard Brothers parking lot, according to mom. Head on the steering wheel, tears down, eyes closed, saying, Miss Kay, I need my family. I'm miserable living the way I'm living. Who are you, Lord? We didn't know that there was an Ananias named William H. Smith that was ready to go. Changed us. Changed our culture. It's changed thousands of lives because someone said, who are you, Lord? I love Jesus' answer, and it's the best one. I've told you this before in this series. I am Jesus. Is Jesus enough? Yes. I am Jesus. This took me back to our John study from last year. I am the Messiah. I am the bread of life. I am from above. I am the eternal one. I am the light of the world. I am the door. I am the son of God. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the Lord and the master. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. I am Jesus. I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the beginning and the end. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. And before Abraham was born, I am. And that's 
enough. I am. But he gives him a second answer. Once you know who Jesus is, you know what he tells him to do? Get up, go, and be willing to be guided in truth. Still telling people that today. You got to get up. You got to go. I told you I was in a pig pen. You know what he told me? Get up, go, and be willing to be guided in truth. So what we're going to see in this text is that Paul, Saul, is going to get three guides. The first guides are the guys that came with him. Verse 7 says, the men traveling with Saul, they stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but did not see anyone. It sounded like thunder to them. And they didn't get blinded by the light. So this was a laser beam focus for Paul. They led him by the hand into Damascus to the house of Judas on Straight Street. Which I thought was ironic because he's about to get straightened out, right? In some guy named Judas's house. Said he stayed in a room there for three days. Can't see. So he's in the dark. No food, no drink. Just waiting. I find that ironic that it was three days in the dark with no food or no drink. That was his own tomb, wasn't it? Realizing what was about to happen. And these guides, they didn't know any more than he did. All they could do was get into this house and say, all right, we're out of here. Because they came there to kill Christians. Not to get the word of the Lord. See, that's what happens. Jesus calls them blind guides. You don't want to follow the people that you came to the party with. Unless they're willing to listen to the who. Those are blind guides. Blind guides lead us into dark places. That's why there has to be separation from that. So these first guides, other than getting them to a house, that's all they had. No answers. So God had a guy in Damascus. His name was Ananias. And in verse 10 it said, In Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision. Ananias? So here we got another call from Jesus. But now Ananias, remember, it's only one name, so that's better. And then also, he answers correctly. Yes, Lord. If Jesus ever calls out to you, the answer is yes, Lord. Just so you know. Yes, Lord. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. So now we know what Saul was doing, right? He's praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. So he's getting some visions from God. I love this next two verses because Ananias is so us, so me. Like I get a clear thing to do. Okay, I got it. Lord, just spitballing here. Lord, um, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. Now, he's telling Jesus this, just in case you missed it, you know, on a news bulletin. And he's come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who called his name. In other words, you sure about this, Lord? Because I hear this is a bad dude. Isn't that us to think about everything? Jesus says, here's what I want you to do. And he said, yeah, I got that. But are you sure about this? 
I love it that we're reporting to God, who knows everything. In the end of his kind of cognitive years, my grandpa, I was visiting where they were living, and he didn't have much left without the dementia set in, which was unfortunate, because he was a sharp guy in the Word of God. But he, they had asked him to lead a prayer, so he got up and he started into his prayer, and he said in his prayer, he said, Lord, I'm not sure if you know this or not, but... And then he gave a report of something that he wanted to pray about. And we were laughing because it's our grandpa. And, you know, you're in church and somebody says something funny in a prayer. You know, you're trying not to, right? Cause it's, but we thought, I thought, that's what we do. We report. God, I don't know that you know this. So look what Jesus' answer was. Go. Same thing he told Saul. Go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. And Paul will suffer the rest of the way for the name of Christ. So Ananias, guess what? Got up and went to the house and he entered it. You see, God puts people in our lives to help guide us to truth. If we're willing to look for them, if we're willing to wait for him to send them. And you may be that instrument for someone else. And you may never know that you were the one that God used. Which is why we have to make the most of every opportunity. You see, Ananias led Paul to the third guide. And this would be the last one he would ever need. 17. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul... The Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again. So he brought some physical relief, but much more importantly, and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, there's the guy. That's the one you want. That's the game changer. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes. He could see again. He got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. Ultimately, the Holy Spirit would change Paul in huge and amazing ways, including his name. He went from his Jewish name, Saul, to a Roman name, Paul, because he had a mission to help as many Gentiles find the kingdom of God as possible. And he knew he'd be more effective. The name changer to the game changer. He went from being a sectarian legalist to a lover of all men, willing to do anything to save some. That's what he said. I mean, this guy was rigid. From a Jewish terrorist to a joyful sufferer. He would suffer mightily. But every time he did, he said, praise be to God through Jesus Christ. He went from the Pharisee of Pharisees to a peacemaker. He went from self-righteous to self-control. And the only way that can happen is by the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's still happening today. You've seen it. We've seen it in this series. Some of the folks that have spoken to us. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once, he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. He grew more and more powerful, and he baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. In this text, in terms of the chronology of it, 
He's going to take off, according to what he said in Galatians 1. He's going to spend three years in the desert in Arabia just having some me time with Jesus. Again, is it, is it just a coincidence that it was three years, the same time the other disciples spent with Jesus? Being changed? Getting away from all this legalism and all this Pharisee background? And he spent three years just in the desert having some time with Jesus. And it changed him. As we close, I want to hear from Dad just one more time. If you'll run that other clip. I ran upon Jesus. I found Jesus. Uh, rather, he found me. I read this account, and I said, if he can save Saul of Tarsus, God in his mercy and forgiveness, and a fellow acting like he was, behaving like he was, I said, good night. He was worse than I am. He can save me too. That's one of the reasons I came to Jesus. My friends found me a year after I had put my faith in Jesus and was baptized. I was hiding at first, trying to get on my feet to find out what following Jesus was all about. So a year went by after my conversion just like Saul of Tarsus. And I saw my friends coming, my former associates. They weren't my friends anymore because they were on one side of this thing, the Saul of Tarsus side, instead of the Apostle Paul's side. So my friends said, well, you know, how's it going? Pull up out my yard down on the river. I'm hidden, unlisted phone number. They searched and searched until they found me. And when they found me, they, the first question they asked was, you want to go up the road? I said, the one you're looking for died and was buried. This one is the one who was raised from the dead. So his Arabia was the Washtar River until God would strengthen him with what he needed to then be able to lead thousands to Christ, including many of those old buddies, by the way. Before they passed away, they asked the question, who are you, Lord? And now the Almighty sent his Ananias to them. That's what this is all about. So as we close today, my question to you is, can you ask the why and can you ask the who? If you're spinning your wheels, you're not getting anywhere. I can guarantee it's because the Holy Spirit is not being allowed to do what he does and guide us into truth. So the question must be asked. And I'm sure with as many people who are watching online as, and even the folks here, that someone probably is in that place of saying, man, I mean, I'm asking the question. Because things are not going well. And I thought I was right all this time. So did Saul. And then the question is, can you act on the question? Are you willing to get up and go and be willing to be guided? Because that's the submission part of this. 
That's why it says it over and over. Get up and go. Laying on the ground in the fetal position is not going to take you anywhere. Can you have the scales removed? And then can you follow the guide? Can you accept him? Jesus came to this earth and died for us, was raised for us, and mediates for us at this very moment, is waiting to come back when the number is right. He's coming. Hopefully, I'm saying sooner than later, I'm down for it. You want to be ready. You want to be a spirit-filled believer that looks forward to that moment. The one thing that has stood out to me in the last year in our culture is there are many people who are afraid to die. I'm not one of them. Whether it's today or tomorrow or some point in the future. Because I have full assurance that the guide that I've been following is a deposit put in me to raise me from the dead. To live forever. And if you don't know that this morning, I want you to know it, embrace it, accept it, and obey it. Paul, guys, he looked at the situation and said, you know what, I need to become a new man. And he did. And we read that he was baptized into Christ that day. Name changer, game changer. If you need that today, why don't you come forward while we stand and while we sing.